Welcome to In The Loop, the Charlotte Area Chambers podcast, where we talk about everything Charlotte with area business and community leaders. Here are your hosts, Chamber Chief Operating Officer Michael Orzak and CEO of Chase Media, Diane Chase. Hi, Project. Welcome to In The Loop. I'm Michael Orzak, along with my co-host, Diane Chase. And in today's episode, we'll be talking with Patrick about life and business. We are thrilled to have him on our show today. Welcome, Patrick and Diane. Welcome, Patrick. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you, Michael and Diane. It really is an honor to be here. Um, I know the Chamber does great things, and I'm really proud to be part of it. Uh, Well, I think one of the interesting things is that I grew up, you know, we grew up really poor, and I was in a family of 10. So there were eight children and and, uh, and mom and dad, and we lived on a farm, and my father was a carpenter, and my mother was a master gardener. So we had the farm-to-table idea long before it was, you know, a byline or a tagline for restaurants. Very cool. And then um, when I was in fourth grade, about eight years old, I think, my mother became a Jehovah's Witness. And uh, and I stayed in that until I was 16. And then I went against my family and said, it just this just does not make sense for me. This cult that you're in with all its rules and regulations and those rules and regulations don't make sense to me. So I left home when I was 17 and um, finished my senior year in high school when I was on my own. And then from there, I I. I got married right out of high school. I went in the army. When I came back from the army, I used my GI bill to go to college. I got a degree in accounting. And in the process, I got divorced. And then, but I got custody of of two of our three children. And so I was a single dad for about 10 years. And then in that 10 year period, I finished my college. I worked for a number of places, just trying to find myself. I worked for a CPA firm for a few years. And then I, I owned a number of businesses, restaurant, I owned a movie theater for a while. Um, I owned a kind of a consulting accounting bookkeeping firm for a while. And then I found this job teaching uh, and it was teaching in a private business college. And it, it just felt at home to me. Um, and so I did that for a few years and and actually became part of the leadership team in that organization. And then um, and then eventually I just realized I wanna have a bigger impact on individuals instead of groups. And so I started looking for uh, you know, just something that would fit that bill. And um, I interviewed at uh, IDS at the time, which now is Ameriprise Financial. And I knew in that interview that that was exactly what I wanted to do because it was personal financial advising. And so it was it was numbers based. There's a numbers based science, uh, logical based. Um, and yet there was required a tremendous amount of communication and teaching and things like that to motivate people to, um, you know, do this planning that 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 they wanted that they were hiring me to do, and then not only do the planning but stick with the planning um, through whatever happened. And so, and I did that for 27 years and uh, built a great business up in Minneapolis, and then um, uh, 
my wife and I decided, my new wife and I decided that we wanted to, Minnesota was just too cold for us. And so we looked around for some place to move and her family had, her mom and dad had retired to down of north of Georgia, north of Atlanta in the mountains. And so we came down to Charlotte. We we're about three hours from where they were. And then, so then I built an independent practice down here and that is still going. That's called Durst Morgan. And my partner uh, is still running that and uh, it's doing just fine. Um, and so the reason I left that is I had an opportunity to do some nonprofit work. And, uh, and it was a great opportunity. And I thought it was going to be like my 10-year kind of encore career. And it, it lasted six months. And, and a lot of it had to do with me uh, because I was not patient enough to work within the system of the nonprofits. I was used to an entrepreneurial environment. And it's it's a very different environment. In, you know, entrepreneurial world, you've got an issue, you make a decision, and the next day you're acting on it. And in the nonprofit world, I was I was also um, did some work in on church committees at one point, and I I found a similarity between those that you know is sometimes they would talk more about the process than they were would about the outcome. And um, for me, it was it was just because of my background, it was much more about uh, outcome. And so, so I, I looked around at what I could do for my ten year on your career, encore career. And um, I always loved real estate, and we had used a lot of real estate with our clients uh, as investment tools, both in um, private equity um, and in um, you know just real estate investment trusts, things like that. But we'd also used a lot just as investment. You know, I, I had one client that probably had 20 different homes here in Charlotte uh, that he was, you know, that he rented out. It was his portfolio. And so we understood it. I understood the business. And so it was not a not a great switch to come over. Two years and I'm happy as a lark. What do you think was within you, Patrick, to be able to move through all these amazing phases of your life um what were some of the, the things that you felt strongest about that helped you you know be successful well there's a part of just survival when you're young that motivates you um and 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 that's sometimes th that that really is effective because once you get past that survival mode in your life um then you start to stop then you then you stop doing some of the things that that have actually made you successful because you don't have to do them anymore so part of it is just survival um and then the other part there's another part of me that i've always questioned things i mean from when i was 15 14 15 i started to question a religion that my parents were a part of and i came to a different conclusion than they did at 16 years old and and it was it was I, I don't know if it was just me being stubborn or ornery or had to be right or whatever, but I just couldn't do it. I, I couldn't go to the meetings anymore. I couldn't do what they wanted me to do anymore because I so I've always felt pretty strongly about what I believed in. And you know, that's good as an adult now, certainly good now because I've learned to temper that a bit, but 
you know, that also can get you in some trouble if you're, you know, if you're too vocal about the way you believe and if you're too dogmatic or ideologic, um, you can get in trouble with that. But when you're young, you know, it, it gives you that strength without the intelligence or the, the experience um, to still stay committed to your, your ideals. How have you evolved in terms of your decision-making and uh, what part is reflection? What part is intuition? What part is intelligence? Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, certainly the baseline is intelligence. I mean, you have to be able to um, glean from all of the information those things that are relevant and those things that are going to make a difference. So that's part of it. Um, what's evolved for me is that I am actually more willing to listen to other people's ideas now than I was when I was younger. When I was younger, you know, I was, you know, uh, arrogantly right most of the time in my own mind. Um, and I've really softened that. I've realized that there's a lot that, that that I can learn a lot from other people. And, and I have learned a lot from other people. And because of that, you know, when I was 30, my life was full of chaos. And it was, you know, I had two teenagers that I was trying to raise. And I was working in a restaurant. Um, and then eventually I was working you know, as a financial advisor, um, and, you know, our, the, our three lives were just chaos. And, uh, and then gradually that turned into a much more organized, uh, much easier life. And today, you know, if, uh, I mean, I, I avoid chaos. If I, if I think anything's going to be chaotic, I don't even participate. It's just, um, I don't need it, don't want it. And I've learned how to to not get involved in it. How have you come to go from chaos or how did you come to go from chaos to calm? Well, a lot of it has to do with the people that you're around. Um, and so if the people that you're around are giving you, or if they're truly are good friends and if they're truly good for you, then, then um, they're not going to cause chaos in your life. And if you if you are careful about the people you associate with, um, uh, that's how you do it. That's how you actually are able to influence it. So I one of the things if you talk to all, all three of my daughters that that were kind of from that my first batch I call them, um, one of the things that I told them starting very early on was to maximize the time the the time they spend with people that are good for them and minimize the time they spend with people that aren't good for them. And, and they've reached a, a sort of a more peaceful life quite a bit earlier than I did because of that. Who are your mentors now? Do you have mentors now or? I do. Yeah. I, I mean, Holly, my wife is my greatest mentor. She's, you know, when I met Holly, when she came into my life, um, see, one of my, one of my, my middle daughter was just graduating high school, and my youngest daughter, I think, was in the tenth or ninth grade, tenth grade, I think, and, and Holly, really, 
um, help a lot with my focus and with 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 getting me out of chaos, with getting me out of jumping from one thing to the other, because the grass always seemed to look greener. And in fact, the year that I met Holly was the year that I started as a financial planner. And so it's hard to say which one affected more because the financial planning is so logical and so process oriented that, you know, there's not a lot of chaos in that. It's not like a, you know, it's not like an emergency room at the hospital. You know, you can plan a lot of things. I mean, financial planning is about planning and planning tends to avoid chaos. Um, but Holly has been the most important person in my life from a, for me learning how to be a good human. And so she's still my best mentor. Um, and then, you know, it's not, you know, you think mentors are supposed to be older than you and wiser than you, but I have mentors that are 25, 30 years old that I learn from. Oh, absolutely. It's like yeah, reverse I, mentoring. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's one of the reasons why I, I attend the things like the Charlotte Area Chamber of Commerce and the other events that I go to. It's not, I'm not going there to network. I mean, I am, that's I'm trying to meet people, but I'm very careful and selective about who I meet because um, I, I'm looking for people that where I can add value to their life and they can add value to my life because that's where the relationship feels good. When you're both coming to the relationship from a standpoint of contribution, those are strong relationships. And that can happen at any age. It can happen, you know, 25 and 65. Um, my One of my best friends uh, is, I think, 82 years old. But, you know, he was the guy, he was the dean of the economic school at Queens College. You talk about a guy that's got a lot of wisdom in his head, a lot of experience and knowledge. And yet he's easy to talk to, you know, just a wonderful guy. Um, and then I look at these young people that are coming up in um, Keller Williams here and, you know, and they're selling 40 homes in their first year, which is incredible. I'm going, how do you do that? And they go, we just go out and, you know, talk to people and, and we do the right thing by it. And we, we we're, we're, I think there's two things about it. One is you always want to come, I think, from a place of contribution. So what can I contribute to the situation? What can I contribute to it? Um, and then if you do that, then you're not off-putting. People actually say, hey, you know, this guy's not too bad. Um, and then the, the second part of it is, is you have to keep doing it. You can't just do it once or twice or three times. You have to do it day in and day out, you know, 12 months a year. Um, until you get to a point where you don't have to do it that much, then, then you can start to slow it down a little bit. I was just talking to somebody about that. So I just before I got onto this podcast, I was on the phone with somebody and they're getting into doing some graphic artist work. And so they're learning the programs, mm -hmm. Adobe suites and all the different programs you can have out there. And they also have to go out and network. So I was right. giving them some networking tips being, hey, we're the chamber. I said, look, go join your local chamber and mm -hmm. get out there. And the person said, well, I have to set this up and set that up. And they were never in sales. So I gave them a couple sales books to to read yeah. and some podcasts. And 
And I said, don't worry about getting everything set up either. I said, get out there and start talking to people. And so I said, yeah, you're going to do some setup. But I said, take an hour to go network once a week or twice a week and just start to get that flow. Right. And so, yeah, when you mentioned that up, that just thought of my earlier phone call of you need to be out there. Um, It doesn't have to be all the time, but you you need to be out there somewhat of the time. Yeah, exactly. You have to be out meeting people. So Patrick, what, let me ask you this too. Like what, how have you felt about like leaving and starting other businesses? Like, did, was that easy for you? Like, Hey, I'm going to go start a new business. I can jump into this. And every, yeah. time, every time you did it, did it seem easier? Did it say, Oh, this is the next good thing for me? Or did you, was there struggles in that as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, in fact, when I left Minnesota, I had a great practice in Minnesota, great financial planning practice. I mean, it was, I, I it was a great practice. And uh, I thought, you know, well, I'll just move and do it again. And so, and so I moved to Charlotte and I never quite achieved the same level of success in Charlotte as I did in in Minneapolis. And so a lot of reasons for that. But it was always more of a struggle for me down here in Charlotte in the second business that I built, the second um, planning firm that I built. And um, and so, you know, and that it was like 10 years. And there were times in that 10 years when I was miserable. Um, I, I did not. I mean, I was miserable. Uh, and um, you know, you think about 2008 and what happened to the market and clients and things like that. And so that's so when when this opportunity to kind of to, in 2019, this opportunity came for me to leave. I, I was ready to leave. I, I was I was I was yeah, I was just ready to leave. I was ready to leave the responsibility, uh, things like that. And so it hasn't always been easy. Um but the other part, I'm very fortunate because I, I'm very optimistic. So if somebody says, is the, is the glass half full? I say, not only is the glass half full, but I'm going to empty it out and put bourbon and ice in it and say, cheers, because that's how optimistic I am. Um, things are going to, you know, things are always going to get better. Things are always going to improve. And so, I, and I'm fortunate that way. I know that that's, a fortunate side of my personality because it's it's not common to be as optimistic as I am. And when you're optimistic, it's easier to do foolish things like start businesses, change your life. It's very, that's an interesting dichotomy because change by its nature involves some chaos. And I'm thinking as I'm hearing how optimistic you are, which I love, um, I don't know if you know Carlos Saloom, who's in Charlotte, wrote a book called Glass Full and a Half, a Glass Half Full and a Half. And so how do you stay so rational? I feel like you're very, very left brain, logical, rational, no chaos, which means no change, which means probably less optimistic i don't know i'm making a lot of you know yeah preconceived no, a, notions there 
Yeah, well, your dichotomy, the dichotomy you're talking about is that um, what I really do like to do is take chaotic situations and create order out of them. That, that's, I, I, if I can see a chaotic, so I, that's one of the things I love about selling houses. It was one of the things I loved about financial planning is I could take chaotic and disorder in my clients and I could turn that into a well-oiled machine for them financially. And that was a big reward. So um, if I, so, but, but the difference is I recognize my limitations in being able to change that and have an impact on that chaos. If I know I can't have any impact on the chaos, I'm not going near it. Um, and so that's a dichotomy I think you picked up on, Donna, that um, uh, is that um, the, um, you know, the, there does seem to be a, a little miscue there with my desire to have order and then changing things. Um, so you're absolutely right. Well, it, actually, it's a bit reflective of, of what I do. So in terms of crisis management, crisis communication, issues, risk, um, helping people move through that while well, preparing them, first of all, lots of training and preparing and consulting. Right. And then when they're in the soup, helping them return to some state of some state of semi-normalcy anyway. Right. And, and the communication is, is so important during that critical. period of time. Oh, yeah. Critical. Yeah. And it's interesting yeah. how many organizations um, don't keep that front and center of everything going on, right? It's, it, to me, it's a Venn yeah. diagram of, of having communication at the center of success. So. Yeah, because it seems so logical. Mm. That you want everything to run smoothly. Um, well. I agree. And this has been fascinating. Thank you for sharing your story and, and some inspiration for us. Anything else you'd like to add? Pat? One of the last things I'll say is you did for me exactly what I try to do for clients is I try to get them talking about themselves because people love to talk about themselves. So when you're networking, when you're working with people, just Ask a question exactly. Yeah, two ears and one mouth, and use that formula correctly. And you you did that beautifully today with your question. Well, thank you very much. I might have done it once or twice before. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for well, joining us, Patrick. I appreciate absolutely. it. It's great yeah. to have you on in the loop. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys. Thank you for joining us on In the Loop the Charlotte Area Chamber Weekly Business and Community Podcast with your hosts, Michael Orzak and Diane Chase. If you'd like to be a sponsor, please contact us through our website, charlotteareachamber.com. Join us again next week for the latest scoop in the loop.